Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend of the podcast, Dick Foth, back for another session of Back Channel with Foth. We're going to jump into our interview with Ann White on Courage for Life. Dick, welcome back to the podcast. My joy. Always great to be with you. Fun. It always is. It's always fun to be with you, Dick. Uh, first question I have for you that a listener sent in was, when it comes to leadership, how do we properly communicate that leadership is not a prize and also not something to be avoided? Yeah, I, I think um, I think the the um, flip side to that question is if it's not a prize and not to be avoided, what is it? Hmm. And uh, leadership comes, I think, from both gifting uh, and serving. Hmm. I I think leadership may be as much learned behavior. Okay. As, you know, you have this question all the time, are leaders, are leaders made or not born? And I think my answer to that is, yeah. And, and, the, and the, the, the thought behind it is that if personality types, and there are personality types, some folks are visionaries and conceptual thinkers, and some people's are, people are organizers and all of that. And depending on what the leadership task is, uh, those those kinds of folks, those personalities have a, have a place, but at the heart of leadership, biblically, it's serving mm-hmm. people who do small things with enthusiasm, people who, when given a task are intentional about it, think about it. I, I spoke in the last podcast about the pastoral epistles. And when you look at the lists of things for people who, um, want to be deacons if you will um it's a it's a fascinating thing it's 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 interesting uh in the in the united states there's there's been a time here not in the very distant past when we had a challenging time in government trying to select a speaker of the house sure. uh, what's fascinating about that is that you know, people are throwing their names in the hats and there's factions and all kinds of stuff. But the 435 people in that chamber, if they look up on the wall in front of the visitor's gallery, there are, there are 21 marble profiles uh, and 11 are looking at a central figure on one side and 11 on the other. And the central figure looking straight at the Speaker of the House across yeah. the chamber is Moses, the lawgiver. And here's here's a person. All these guys are vying for a position down down on the floor, whatever they're doing. And and the person looking down on them, if you read Exodus three and four, God wanted them to be a leader. He didn't want to be a leader. Yeah. Mm. So that anyway, that's just a sidebar. But yeah. the but the point is this: in I think leadership is a season. Oftentimes, mm. leadership. Uh, well, I know it is. Mm. Uh, yeah, because you're going to die or whatever. But it's a season. <laughs> and the and for example, in our church in Urbana, in the church we were in in Urbana, we had seven deacons. That was sort of the rule of thumb. You have seven, it's a biblical idea, and so on. But but by the time we left back in the seventies, we had eight hundred. And back in the day, that was a relatively strong congregation. And my question is, did we only have seven people in that whole congregation who could be deacons? Mm. And the answer is, well, of course not. Mm. You know, and 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 what if a guy chose not to serve in that role? What would he do? Well, he he wouldn't be on that particular team for that season, but he'd still be deking just yeah. like he was, you know. Yeah. And and 
or she as the case may be. So all of us lead, all of us lead someone. And I would say, don't worry about the responsibility of leadership as much as valuing the opportunity Hmm. of leadership. Uh, You won't, you won't get it right all the time, but if you take wise counsel, anyway, it's sometimes you have to lead because circumstances demand it. Sometimes you get to. Yeah. Good words. That's, good it. Words. That's all I got for that. No. And the, the second question I paired with it was the, the the person said, I would never want to lead a team. Is that okay to say? Or do I need to be more open to leading, even though I do not like the responsibility that comes with it? Yeah. My answer to the first part of that question is sure. It's, it's okay to not want to lead a team because yeah. if you, if you think one, that's not, that's not your gifting, calling, or whatever it is, and there's a choice in the matter. Sometimes you're thrown into leadership because circumstances demand it. But uh, my answer to that is, sure, it's okay to say that. And again, I come back I come back to the Moses uh, metaphor, yeah. is that he's a guy who's 80 years old, hmm. and, and he's been leading sheep for the last 40 years, you know? And when he says I'm slow of speech because he doesn't want to lead, he, <laughs> he ain't kidding. I mean, who's he been talking to for the last forty years? He's been, he's been, but, but I think, I think, um, I'm I may not want a, the responsibility of whatever it is, but I think to stay open to serving in mm-hmm. whatever way I can, because th- I think there's a lot more books on leadership than there are on serving. Yeah, and yet sure. when you read. Jesus, he says, this is the heart of it, you know? That's a good word, good word, good word. Dick, always enjoy our time on Back Channel with Foth. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Ann White on Courage for Life. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Ann White. Ann, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. It's great to be here. Yes, it is. And um, I've, you know, done a lot of research on you in the last uh, few weeks, just to feel like I've gotten to know you some, watch some of your YouTube videos, different things. But probably the most, there are a lot of people listening in, have not watched those YouTube videos, have not read the the resource we're going to talk about today. So would you share just a little bit about yourself? And then I'm going to start peppering you with some questions. Okay, that sounds great. So I am the founder and CEO of Courage for Life. That's a ministry out of Georgia. And we have a discipleship ministry. We're very passionate about discipleship because we believe it is so not only so important, but oftentimes it is the missing link in a Mm. Christian's life. And so um, and I'll tell you the backstory to the reason for that uh, as we go through the interview. But So I founded Courage for Life just out of a passion to share with others the love for God's Word and how His presence and His Holy Spirit can really just change our walk and make us more courageous. I birthed that in 2014, and I'm also the mother of two and the grandmother of six. Wow. we have uh, busy schedules. Uh, my husband and I stay super busy, but uh, we absolutely love it. So yeah. that's just a little snapshot, but I'm sure, sure we'll uncover a lot more as we go through. For sure. And uh, it's an honor to have you, honored to have you with us today. So you mentioned that that idea about the journey. And um, that I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me, um, the seven steps to courage. Could you just share a little bit about that journey? 
those seven steps, honestly, they were something that I wrote down, something I have on, on my iPhone. That's where I started keeping my notes now. Um, and this share the journey to that and then maybe share those seven steps if you'd be willing to. Oh, absolutely. I would love to. And my journey with the seven steps of courage began in 2012. And I have been a believer since I was 19. And I spent the first 20 years of that, uh, my Christian walk, uh, really kind of floundering. And then God brought me closer to his word. I became a teacher of his word. But even after about 10, 12 years of teaching his word in depth and just uh, sharing it with others, I could teach it, I could preach it, but sometimes I couldn't completely walk it because I just didn't have the courage. I was still dragging around baggage from my childhood and my early years, and it really was just hindering me from that abundant life that God calls us to live, that he offers us to live. And so in 2012, I just kind of hit that wall and God let me get to the end of myself, kind of the end of my self-sufficiency. Always thought I could handle anything. I could take on any problem, handle, you know, anything that I needed to handle. Sure. But God allowed me to see that, you know what, without him, I really was just kind of pedaling as hard as I could and not getting anywhere. <laughs> so... When I hit that crash, God led me to a really wonderful spiritual mentor and counselor who helped me walk through unpacking those bags, unpacking that emotional baggage that was really kind of keeping me in a kind of a fear-based walk. You know, we have a lot of fears in our lives, uh, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, you name it. There are so many fears out here that we can struggle with, and God wants us to walk in faith and courage. And so... When I realized I couldn't do that on my own, I hit rock bottom, went to this uh, pastor counselor and really dug into discovering the reasons why I was embracing those fears and living in those fears. I unpacked that by going through these steps. And when I felt the Lord call me not only into ministry, but to call me to write a book, my first book, I just said, Lord, help me describe the steps that I went through that might help others who can't, who may not have access to the counseling, who may not have the time, the finances, whatever the case may be, right. to walk through these practical steps. So they they became the seven steps to courage. And as I, you know, prayed over them and asked the Lord to help me define these, um, it really just worked out beautifully. So I knew it was from God because it's not something I could have created or come up with. And every step goes along with a letter in the word courage. So the C step is commit to change. I said, Lord, what's the first thing that I had to do? And of course, that was I had to make a commitment that I needed to make changes in my life. And you know, God's always calling us to change something, you know, matter whether it's something simple like, uh, well, that may not be simple. Our attitude, <laughs> that may not necessarily be simple, but it can be a little smaller than changing locations or, sure. you know, or changing a job or changing a relationship. There's something he's calling us to change. We have to say, okay, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what I face going through it, I'm going to make that commitment and I'm going to do this. And so we make that commitment to the Lord. Then we go to the O step. And that is overcome obstacles. If we're going to go do a change, if we're going to walk into a courageous change that God wants us to make, Satan's going to throw obstacles in our way. It could be obstacles of other people. It could be obstacles of our own fears. 
Whatever the obstacle is, we need to identify it. And then we need to figure out how are we going to overcome that obstacle so that we can make that change. And then the next step was the you step. And I loved this because as I was walking through this journey of change, I had to go through that step of uncovering my true self. So many of us fall for the lies that the world tells us about who we are. And sometimes there are things we believe about ourselves that are just not genuine. Hmm. Uh, The shame and self-condemnation, the the feeling incapable or unable is very real. And so we need to uncover how God sees us. He sees us as worthy. He sees us as valuable. He sees us as capable. Hmm. We need to embrace what God's word and what he has to say about who we are. That's the you step. Then the R step is replace worldly lies with scriptural truth comes right on the heels of that identity piece. And, you know, the world wants us to believe so many lies about who God is, about what marriage is, about all sorts of things. And so we need to know God's word so that we can replace those lies with his truth. The A step is accept the things you cannot change. Now, Mm. that was a challenging one for me because I always (laughs) thought I could change anything, right? We can take on the world when, you know, well, when we're the type A personality like I am, it's like, okay, I'm a fixer. So I can change this other person. I could change my husband. I could change my kids. I could change whatever needed to be changed. I learned very quickly. And God really laid on my heart. There's only one person I can truly change and that's me. Mm. But when I change, my world around me changes. The other people respond, they see and recognize the change. And so when I can take that step and make the necessary changes I need to make in my life and then pray for those others who I believe also need changes, God's going to work on that. And we can only control one person and that's who that's us. <laughs> so we must accept that we can't change our past. We can't change other people, but we can change our perspective and we can change how we respond to all yeah. of this. Then the G step grasp God's love for you. You know, so many of us, we can, um, we, we know God's love, but sometimes we still don't feel worthy of his love. And so we may doubt a little bit that he truly loves us because we're just not worthy of it. We need to grasp that he loves us unconditionally, unfathomably. It's an amazing, incredible love. We need to grasp that, uh, that his love never fails and it, and it, nothing we could ever do will separate us from it. And the last step is the E step, which is embrace a life of grace. As I walked through these steps, I had to get to that point where the wounds that I had that were from other people, sure, I'd made my own mistakes as I continue to every every day in this life. Yeah. But I had people who had wounded me as well. And so I had to come to the place where I can not only embrace grace for myself and the mistakes I had made. But I also needed to embrace grace for those who were around me that had wounded me because they were broken. I had Hmm. to see them as that vessel that God could work on or was working on or needed to work on and have a compassion and a heart for them. So that was the forgiveness piece that really comes in. And so those seven steps really help us move forward in a courageous uh, relationship with the Lord. No, and that that resonates with me and a lot of the listeners have heard the story many times. But when I that un 
that place when you get, uh, so I went to Burkina Faso as a missionary, got there. And when I got there, that kind of coming face to face with things that I couldn't change, um, the challenges, uh, you know, I, I say my kids call me Ron when I'm in a good mood, which takes the double A personality away. Um, you talked about being a, a type A personality. I think I have a double A, you know, double A personality, um, uh-huh. got there, struggled, ha- had challenges, um, and I think that's common. It's common for missionaries. You you get to a place, you 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 think that I can change. There's so much you can't change. You're coming face to face with that. What when you get to that spot, what propelled you to want to move towards this this journey of courage rather than recoiling and withdrawing? Is that a fair question? Oh, it's absolutely a fair question because I actually withdrew most all of my life. You know, when we struggle. We isolate, at least I do. And I and I believe that's, you know, the majority of the population because that's exactly where Satan wants us. If he can get us to pull away from people um, who can not only challenge us, encourage us, lift us up, like, you know, God has all of the one another's. We're supposed to encourage one another and lift one another up. But we can't do that when we're in isolation. We can't have that, um, the power of God's love coming through others to us actually penetrate when we're in isolation. And so I isolated my issues and I would walk into church for so many years, even as a teacher, um, just pretending like everything in my world was just perfect because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I thought I was supposed to put on this strong facade of I can handle anything, I can do anything. But when in reality, when God brought me to the end of myself and I began going back in and teaching with transparency and just being real. Obviously, people appreciated it. I had so many people that come up to me after class and share their struggles um, privately or in a small group to say, you know what, I'm struggling and um, I really need help. I really need prayer. And it just gave me that opportunity that I didn't have before. So yeah, that's a very fair question. We often go into isolation, but the first thing we need to do is to try to find a safe brother or a safe sister that we can share our struggles with who will not try to fix us, but will pray with us, pray for us. And then we can be there for them as well. Yeah. And I think the, the challenge for, you know, you said type A personality, me type A personality, it's hard for us to ask for help. Um, In general, we're used to being, in my experience, I'm, I'm helping others. But to get uh-huh. to a place where I had to ask somebody for help, you talked about going to a, a counselor and that that's a level that that's the courage thing going to. Right. Because it's because you're used to being the fixer and then you're asking someone to walk alongside you. Is Does that make sense? It, it absolutely makes sense. And it was really difficult. I remember when I first went to this counselor and he said, um, I want you to have 10 friends that you feel safe with, that you can share your struggles with. And I was like, 10, I don't have one. I mean, I had some great friends. Don't get me wrong. I mean, lifetime friends. Um, I probably had really one, she had moved away that I could have just unloaded on, but you didn't want to, you know, that was the other side. I don't want a burden. You're, you're right. As a leader and a fixer and a teacher, you really feel like, I'm here to serve others. And and you talk about missionaries. I was the same way. I I did missions to India for uh, many years and still do. We still, we still do a lot of missions there, but I was always the one pouring into others. 
it's very challenging to ask for help, but um, God wants us to admit our struggles and our weaknesses. We're yeah. we're gonna just spin out of control if we don't. And and you 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 shared when we're authentic with people, it, it does it strengthens relationships. Um, it's very hard, uh, at least in my experience, it's been hard to be. Um, to get close to somebody who's perfect because um, you realize, I realize I'm not perfect, um, but we're an authentic uh, and finding the places to do that. I mean, we don't be transparent with all, all of our life with everyone, um, but finding right. those friends like you're talking about, being authentic with them is a great, great step forward. So one of the things I found interesting, um, you were the first person um, to develop a first female voice audio Bible. Um, can you share the story about that? I thought that was fascinating. Um, this podcast from the beginning, um, I've wanted it to be diverse and um, I, I value and champion female leaders. And so I, it was honestly something I listened to the audio Bible. It was something that didn't even come up open to my mind until I read in in your history and story that you created this. Can you share the history behind that and and uh, what led you to do that? Absolutely. As I began my ministry, honestly, I had no clue what God. I was doing some missionary part time missionary work, you know, a couple times a year, that sort of thing. But I was I really felt the Lord say, "I want you to birth a nonprofit." And I'm like, okay. And um, I was actually just in counseling and in you know kind of walking through those seven steps to courage at the time, I thought, wow, this is really not a great time to birth a nonprofit. But I remember my mentor saying, hey, if God's telling you to do it, do it. He will put all the pieces together. And Aaron, that's what happened. It began mm -hmm. to just all come together in vision. So as a Bible teacher, I knew that my ministry would center around my my relationship and our relationship sure. with the Lord and with His Word. Yeah. And I had a heart for broken women. I had served you know, as a missionary, but um, also served as um, on boards of directors for human resources and at right. a children's home and battered women's shelter, stuff like right. that. So I knew hurting women at the time and hurting people were on my heart. We began, as we began our ministry, and I wrote the first book, we began going to the prison systems and crisis centers and teaching Courage for Life and those seven steps to courage. And we began hmm. to see it resonate. Hmm. And as we were in those shelters and, you know, work, doing that work, it, it hit me that many of these women have small children they have to work and they have, they have a lot of stress on them. And they really can't just sit down and read their Bibles. They really need to be absorbing God's word. But yeah. many of them have also been wounded. And working with at-risk women, you learn pretty quickly that you want to use gender-specific treatment. Hmm. Uh, you don't want to use treatment um, of a male voice to a yeah. woman who has been offended or wounded yeah. by a male. And so yeah. we were very sensitive to that. And I said, well, let's go out. And let's find a women's all-female voice audio Bible because I knew God's word and I needed to get it into them, right? right. How am I going to do that? And I started looking for a female voice audio Bible. The only one I could find was a New Testament version that was very dramatic, um, mm. very deep and raspy voice. And I thought, mm, that's not necessarily what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> soothing and comforting and draw you in, you know, something you just would want to listen to that's going to kind of bring you into just yeah. a beautiful place with the Lord. So wasn't there. I could not find it anywhere. So I, I began to pray about it, got with my team and said, you know what? I think God's calling us to produce the first fully female voiced audio Bible from Genesis wow. to Revelation. 
and something with a, an eclectic, you know, voices of women, but soothing, comforting, drawing you in. And so that's exactly what we did. It took us about 18 months. We raised a half a million dollars to do it. Yeah. And in 2017, I believe it was, we released that audio Bible to the public. And you can you can get it in several ways. But one of the ways is by going to your Apple or Android device and downloading it. It's okay. the Courage for Life Bible on your app store. Wow. And it's just, it's really fun. People yeah. listen to it on the way to work. If you're at home, you're putting your makeup on. Right. And what we have found, it's in our prison systems. We're in 36 states now on prison uh, inmates' tablets hmm. that are state-issued. It's a free app. They can listen to the Bible, um, all in this, all of our states in the United States, and but people can download it outside the United States. So we're just super excited, the encouragement that it brings. Um, and it's it's just been a blessing. Yeah, this is very interesting. I Like I said, I, I didn't, I guess my maleness, I didn't focus in on it. Um, but it, it makes a it, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. If people, have, if you've been wounded by a man and um, listening to that audio Bible from a man, it could also be a trigger at the idea of doing it with a female voice is, uh, is fascinating. And uh, it also shows your courage to, to start something and see it to the finish because that's it's not an easy, uh, easy accomplishment by. Um, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Earlier on, you talked about the abundant life. And um, the other thing I, I noticed in, in, the, in the study Bible that we'll get to in a minute, um, mm-hmm. you talk about fear being one of those um, major things. And fear seems to be more common in the world today, at least maybe as I get older, I'm just more attuned to it. I don't know. Um, could you share one of the some of the reasons why fear is such a, an enemy to that abundant life and, um, and and maybe some reasons why you think we, we maybe you're drawn to it. I don't know. Well, I think because I thought I was so courageous for so many years. And then when I really hit rock bottom, I realized that I was operating in my own strength. It wasn't okay. really courage. It was just determination. Mm, uh, that's, that's God, yeah. God wanted me to um, just, allow him to be a part of my life. You know, he really wanted, I remember one time when we moved a couple hours away from our church and I remember asking the Lord and it was years ago before the ministry and really before he allowed me to hit rock bottom, but it was kind of the beginning of that. He pulled me away from my local church and I said, Lord, why didn't you bring us here? We can't find, you know, a a church Mm. that feels like home and so forth. And I said, that was where I was being fed. Mm. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, because I want to feed you. Hmm. And Hmm. what I was doing was going through the motions. I was doing everything in my own strength and power. God said, it's time for you to have a relationship with me. Let me feed you. Let me draw you in. And that was really the beginning of my journey that led to everything I'm doing today. And he just took me step by step, even allowing me to get to that crashing point uh, was part of that. But, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's just part of it. We have to go through those hard times and those valleys in our lives to really embrace him and allow him to be our courage. You know, he says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control, depending on the, you know, translation that you're using. But either any of those, that 
God, that's what God's giving us. He's given us power through him, courage through him, sound mind. If we look to him and his word for guidance and strength Hmm. and direction, um, we can go and do things we might never imagine or dream of. For sure. That that idea of um, renewing our minds um, is I've I've listened to you and uh, and just like I said some of the research I've done that that seems to be a very common theme or a passion that you have this renewing of our minds through studying God's word um, and applying it so that's the other thing I've learned from you is not just studying it but you you're a big champion of applying God's word which it does make sense but we do need to emphasize that. Um, yes. And how can you share where where does that where does that originate from? This idea of renewing our mind through studying and applying God's word. You know, we have a battle going on in our minds, and God's word, Paul tells us, uh, the battle is in our mind, and he says, you know, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. The apostle Paul makes it very clear that there's a struggle in our minds. Satan can't read our minds, but he can put thoughts in our minds. And so we really have to capture those thoughts to the obedience of Christ, as God's word says, and we have to renew our minds at all times. It's not something that we're going to do one time and we're fixed forever. There is truly a battle that continues to go on. Our battle is is against powers of darkness that, that really want to distract us, pull us away. You know, in the world in which we live, there are so many distractions and frustrations. Anxiety, you know, I was just reading some statistics recently, and depression and anxiety are hitting everyone all over the globe at the highest rates ever. And a lot of it, you know, it really magnified when we went through the pandemic, but it's still there. And I think um, with everything going on around the world, that is something we have to do, but it all starts up here. And when we think it, we begin to believe it and marinate on it. And it and it changes our attitudes, our thoughts. It changes our what we say and what we do. And so we do have to renew our minds to the obedience of Christ. We And the way we do that, is by starting each day with God in prayer, with a relationship with Him, and in His Word. And so that was a passion of mine as well, and that's where we get back to discipleship. So many of us, and and it was me for 20 years, I didn't know how to read God's Word. I would take my Bible with me to church on Sundays, listen to the pastor describe a verse, and, you know, he was a wonderful pastor, still is. And then I would come home, sit it on the shelf, and I wouldn't take it back out till I went back to church the next time. But when I began reading and putting God's Word in, I re- I received a strength and courage and just kind of a, um, you know, they say what you put in, you get out. And so when you're putting truth in, you can walk in that truth. You can walk in courage. You can walk in that strength. And uh, it's it's inc- it's incredibly valuable. It's incredibly important for us to have that foundation and put on that armor of God and take up that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Because just like Jesus did when Satan came and tempted him and he combated Satan's temptations with God's word by saying, no, this is what the Lord says. We need to be able to do the same thing. That's good. I got two more questions for you. Um, sure. One, the one thing I was 
valuable to me to to see in here was the steps of courage in their impact on marriage marriages. One, you know, people would think, hey, people are missionaries. They go, they live on the field. Their marriages are phenomenal. They never have any problems. Life is awesome. Um, but that would not be true. Um, so it's just the reality. So can you yeah. share about the, 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 the steps to courage and the impact they can have on marriage? Yes, absolutely. And really, I was struggling in my relationship with my husband of, at the time, 26 years. That was part of my crash in 2012 that, you know, God allowed me to see that I needed him truly more in the midst of my marriage. But those seven steps to courage, we can walk through it together. I think um, what what he and I did, what my husband and I did was we really learned a lot more about communication. And I talk about that in my book and in those seven steps, talk about the importance of communicating those because marriages are, are on the, we're being attacked completely all the time. We have so many outside forces and stresses and, you know, it's, it's going to be attacked and Satan hates marriages. He hates families. He wants to destroy them. And so um, we really need to focus on that, but admit when we have problems. I think communication is key and not getting in that cycle of defensiveness and criticism that we can so often get into. I don't I can't tell you how many marriages that I see and people that I talk to that are in that cycle and they're having a hard time breaking it because one is wounded and feeling defensive. And then they say something to criticize the other one and the other one feels wounded and gets defensive. And you've got to back away from that. You know, you've got to make some changes, even if it's just one person in the relationship, uh, because we need to hold our family units together. We need to be stronger in that because when Satan can break our families down he can really break our ministries down and our messages and everything around us. And so you're, the study Bible, when you envision, I'd like for you to share about it, but when you envision people, they, they get it, they're, how do you envision them using it and how do you envision it impacting their lives? So I'd love to, love to hear that. Yes. So the study Bible came from a heart of wanting a Bible that was not only easy to read. That's why we chose the New Living Translation, theologically sound, but Modern English, easy to read, easy to understand. It. Yeah. Yes, it's wonderful. And then we we got together and looked at what were some of the needs of people who had never been discipled, who are new believers, or they've been believers for a while, but they're new to God's Word, and really want to be able to read and understand it. So we've put a lot of tools and techniques inside this Bible. There's, um, It's not that big of a Bible. you know. It's a normal-sized Bible. But you have introductions at the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of each, the Old Testament and New Testament, and then introductions at the beginning of every single book that give us kind of a context. So we answer the questions at the beginning of each book of the Bible, who, who's the author, who's the original audience, what, what's going on, who, what, when, where, why, and how, and how do we read it? So you go through all of those, you kind of get a picture of what this author, whether it's the Apostle Paul or whether it's one of the um, disciples or whomever is the author of that book, what were they going through at the time? Then you put that word in a better context so that you can see what the author was talking about. And then at the bottom of every single scripture page, 
I've um, gone through and I had a team that helped me in a, about a two and a half year process. We have put a basic Bible study at the bottom of every single page. And the way that I love to teach people to, to study God's word is to pray, observe, interpret, and then apply. So we go through those four steps at the bottom of 1,400, I believe it's 1,434 or 64, I've just forgotten the number, but a lot of Bible studies at the bottom of every page. We also have profiles that are in there of courageous men and women of faith in each of the Bibles, and um, just a lot of content to help you get into God's Word and engage. Yeah. And you you have one for women and one for men too, correct? We do. We do. This is the this is one of the men's versions in a leather like and then the women's version we have as well. We have them in a couple colors, but um yes. And so when we finished the project on the women's Bible, Tyndale said, this is incredible content. There's not another Bible out there like this. We want to make one for men, so we got a men's team together and just changed the voice. Yeah. yeah, the lessons are much yeah. the same because if you're teaching yeah. on grace, it's sure. it's same for everybody. Right. No, but I thought that was very cool and uh, very insightful too. So, and is there a question I should have asked? Um, sometimes a podcast host gets, you know, I, I, I read, I study. Is there something I should have asked? You? you know, I think you've covered a lot of it, but it, but I might say, how could people engage with us? Because yes. we're a discipleship ministry. We want to reach people from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at okay. uh, God Gives Courage. Okay. And we're also at courageforlife.org. We have, have a YouTube channel with teaching. I'm doing new teachings all the time. But you can go on and you can go chapter by chapter on video on our YouTube channel through the study of John. And also download that app, Courage for Life uh, Bible, on your Apple or Android device and engage with us. Um, We really want to make it as user-friendly to engage in God's Word and let God's Word transform your life. Amen. Amen. And will you pray for us? I would love to. Thank you very much. Father, thank you so much for Aaron and thank you for the work that he does to get your word out, Lord, and just to encourage people to engage with you on a deeper and more personal level. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given us, you've equipped us, Father, with everything we need to live a courageous and faithful life. Lord, I pray for everyone who's listening today, Lord, that you would just go with them and guide them, open their hearts and minds to what you would have them to change in their life. And God, then give them the courage to make those courageous changes. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that we don't walk this journey alone, but you walk us, walk with us side by side, hand in hand, putting a hedge of protection around us. Let us embrace that, Father. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. 